Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Danielle Dresser. And I'm Gwen Reyes. This is the podcast where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to. We also dig into publishing industry news and stories that you may have missed. Today, Gwen and I are chatting about getting out of a reading slump, and we also have an awesome interview with Rosie Dannon, author of The Intimacy Experiment. Danielle and I also are going to be updating each other on our goals from last episode, and we're going to talk about what has brought us comfort this week, because we have needed it. Yes, definitely. All right, so let's get started. Let's start first though with a vibe check because when we're recording this this is a really weird time (laughs) it's almost to the day I think it's a year and a day after the United States went on the pandemic lockdown when all of this got started so Gwen how are you feeling this week it's weird it has been I cannot believe that we are still locked in after a year I know that everybody is saying that. I know everyone feels that way. And I'm sure I was about to ask, I was like, Danielle, do you feel that way? (laughs) And you're like, yes. (laughs) But it's been rough because I watch, I'm such a news junkie. I watch Mm -hmm. so much of it. It's always on and having to watch the amount of retrospectives that have gone on this week. It's like re-experiencing that trauma and remembering how like, not carefree, but we thought it wasn't going to be for a year, you know, maybe six months, but not a year ago yeah. when we decided to lock down. And yeah, it's been strange, but I've been drinking a lot of coffee this week and that's <laughs> been helping to just kind yeah. of stabilize moods and yeah. Otherwise just kind of trying to figure out ways of avoiding the repeated trauma of remembering last year. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I think when it first kind of started, I would say like probably for the month of March, I was like glued to my TV, like yeah. trying to make sense of it. And then I realized how kind of unhealthy it was yeah. and like how I was kind of working myself up. So I just kind of stopped watching the news, like even watching like morning TV, you know, mm-hmm. which usually, especially over the summer when like we don't have school to get to and everything, like we just have the TV on and it's on in the background. But even that was just too stressful. Too much. So I'm slowly getting back into watching the news more because I mean, I do like to be informed and I still get like alerts on my phone. You know, I subscribe to yeah. the New York Times and Washington Post and everything like that online, but it's been weird. And, and I agree, like all of the retrospectives and I understand why it's happening, but it has been like a lot. And so I've kind of had to be like, maybe I don't need to turn on the evening news right now, you know, like maybe for like the next week or two. But yeah, I agree. It it is. It's such a weird feeling to think that it's been a year and just all of the things that we didn't get to do in the last year. But I also feel like right now, at least there is kind of a sense of hope. You know, we were kind of talking earlier about how just knowing that the vaccine is coming and that it is hopefully somehow going to get spread in a way that makes sense. And, you know, and and people in our lives are getting vaccinated. You know, there is, I think, a sense of hope and hopefully we will get back to, I don't want to say normal because I don't know, we don't know what the baseline of normal is going to be, but I think, I think things are moving in the right direction. So it's like, it's a weird week, but it's also, I think a good week. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of cool because it's like, you start putting yourself in the position of thinking about, oh, well, once everyone's vaccinated, we can travel and we can go to conferences and we can be in front of people. And then the uh, excitement and anxiety that that brings of like, am I going to be a normal person in public again? I don't know. (laughs) That's what I feel. I think all the time. I'm just like, yeah, hopefully through the the end of 2021, at some point, I hope that I can go travel and like meet the nephew that, you know, my sister-in-law had last month, you know, like, or two months, actually. It is such, it's a weird time. And I think it's kind of a fraught time, but I think it's on the positive. Yeah, I definitely think 
100%. Yeah. yeah. So or at least for us, it's positive. Yeah, exactly. Let's yeah. Who, cause who knows, you know, <laughs> we know a lot of people are going through a lot right now, but let's switch gears a little. Talk about one good thing that just happened this week. Um, oh. that's what I was thinking, you know, like it doesn't have to be something like achieved. I think sets a, sets a bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good that happens. So I'll, I'll go first because yes. I have a good answer is last night, you know, we all like on Fridays, we, we order out for dinner. And so it was me and my husband and my daughter and we eat and we sit downstairs in our basement and we watch a movie like while we're having dinner. It's like, well, Love we it. watch TV or something like we, that's what we do. So we were like, well, what should we watch? What should we watch? And you know, my daughter was just like, well, can we watch the Lion King? And we were like, which one? You know, it was almost like a test. You're like, uh-huh. like the cartoon one. And so she's like, she's like, obviously. Obviously the correct one. one. Yeah, yeah. We watched the Lion King last night. It was awesome. It's still such a good movie, even it's all these so years good. later. Yeah. So that that was like one good thing that happened this week that I enjoyed. I love that. I just watched Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> James Earl Jones is in, is in it. And so it was really fun to be reminded of the Lion King again, of like kind of yeah. having that sort of character spread out through two movies. That. One good thing that happened to me this week. Oh, I cooked every single day this, or I cooked dinner every week, day this week, except for Friday. Yeah. Congrats. That's a, that's a feat. (laughs) It is a feat because we had, after the storm, I rebelled of cooking Mm. for like a couple of weeks. I just was not interested. I wanted to embrace technology again and let somebody bring the food to me. Yeah. And so of course that was like, resulting in upset stomachs and not yep. feeling great about life. So <laughs> cooking for a week, I was very proud of that, sticking to it. That's very really good. Yeah. What was your favorite thing you made? Oh, okay. So I watch Molly Ye on the weekend. She does mm-hmm. Farm uh, Girl Meets Farm, I think is the okay. name of her show on the Food Network. And she had this like mock version of SpaghettiOs called Spice Tomato Stars. <laughs> and, or no, sp- yeah, spiced tomato stars. But it's like it's the same sort of spaghettio feel and vibe. And I put like some turkey meat in it. But you can make it completely vegetarian if you want. And it has harissa, so it has just like that Mediterranean sort of vibe yeah. to it versus like um, just spice pepper. But I, it was really good. That's it was very, it was very strong on the stomach. But uh, I was <laughs> delighted to keep eating it. It was like a yeah. big bowl of comfort. Yum. So going off of our conversation about kind of the pandemic being weird and feel have feeling about it a year later, but one thing that we decided to talk about this week was reading slumps, because that is something that a lot of people, I think people in general, but especially, you know, being a part of the publishing on, on the entertainment side of the publishing industry, yeah, we deal with people who read voraciously yes. day in and day out. And I think, you know, throughout this entire time, they have talked about, I haven't been able to read. I haven't been able to finish yeah. a book. It's something that both of us have gone through and yep. that we've talked about and kind of commiserated about together. And so, yeah, so we thought it would be interesting, I think a year on to talk about going through our reading slumps, but also getting out of them yeah. or did we? Yeah. <laughs> Tips and um, tricks or yeah. shared story. You know, I think that one thing, the the relationship with reading is lifelong. As we know, like being a, a reader, it's something that you can't turn off. You have to even read the back of a, of a cereal box. But I also know that the relationship with reading, like anything comes and goes and it yeah. ebbs and flows. And like ever since the beginning of the pandemic, I had, I had already kind of been in a slump. Like I felt like everything was kind of the same there wasn't a lot of variety and which is unfair to say because last year there was so much variety
variety and so many different voices and so many different authors yeah. out there to explore. But yeah, it's just my problem is I'll sit down and I just can't finish anything or I'll fall asleep. And I've tried different things of like, okay, maybe I don't want to read on my laptop or I don't want to read on my phone because it's too much like a computer. So I'll pick up a real book and I'll enjoy that. And then like, I'll fall asleep. Finding the right spot and the right comfort has been just so challenging for me. I mean, I, I completely relate. I think definitely like starting in last March and into April and probably even into May, I, I don't know if I even read a full book. You know, I started yeah. a lot of books and, and it was one of those things where you kind of realize, oh wait, no, it isn't the book. It's me. Yeah. Like, it's a me like, problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, it's not the right time for me to be reading this book. And that just, I mean, that was it across the board to get myself out of it. I didn't really, it's like, I just let it happen. I was like, okay, I'm just not reading right now, which is hard when at the time I was still reviewing books. So I literally needed to be reviewing books for work. And also I interview authors on the Fresh Fiction blog. So, you know, it was, it was like a struggle. Like for, so it was for workbooks. It was like, yes, I'm going to actually read them. But I also, I did like change my mentality with getting through them. But then also for myself, just for fun, you know, I was just kind of like, okay, maybe you just aren't going to finish this book. Like just allow yourself to not to not finish them. That was, I think, kind of how I not really dealt with it, but like just had to let it happen. Yeah. I think that that sort of acceptance allows you to have that room to come back to it naturally. So what was it that finally made you realize that you were just going to let it go? You weren't going to try I like, I think probably it was like, I went like two weeks without like actually yeah finishing wow. a book that I wanted to read, you know, because like, mm-hmm. like I said, like, as part of my job, I did actually have to read books. Yeah. <laughs> but even that was, it was just like, I was like, okay, you're going to sit down and you're going to read for half an hour, you know, like, and that, like, I had to make that, that for my make it homework. Yes. Yeah. For workbooks. Like I had to yeah. do it. Yeah. Personally, it was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm just not going to finish this book, even though it was like by an author who I loved, or it was a book mm-hmm. I was really excited about, or or anything like that, or it was like a book that my mom like recommended or something, you know, like it was definitely like, you know what, maybe just not right now. And I, I do have a list of like books that I was like, these, I would like these books, but I just haven't read them yet. And I, to be fair, I have not gone back to too many of them, but it's definitely something I think I'm going to like, that's going to be like my summer reading project. Maybe. I don't know. Do you think you're out of your slump or do you think you're still in it? I think I'm still in it, but I think I'm more just speaking of openness. Like I feel like I'm more open to accepting the fact that like, I just didn't want to read anything yeah. and maybe that changing that mindset will be more helpful mm-hmm. of just like, cause I had this, I have the same thing where I go through with film and TV where I'm like, this is, I just can't, I'm not in the mood. Yeah. Like, it's good. The emotional weight of this is going to be too much or the commitment yeah. is going to be too much, but yeah, I don't, I think for me right now is I have to also change up how I do it. There's more opportunity for audiobook before because I could walk around and it's not so cold outside anymore. So there's chances there, but I don't know. I think tapping into one of my old tricks of what excited me as a kid. Mm. So maybe find like kind of not necessarily those books that I read as a kid, but the stories and seeing if there's more adult versions of those might be the way to go also. I like that. Yeah. When do you have any recommendations or tips to get out of your reading slump? Yeah. So I have a couple, one thing that definitely works for me. And I think it's also because you and I both have to work 
uh, we have to read for our jobs um, is that you have to schedule the time and stick to it. Yeah. Uh, finding a time that's comfortable, but that is like 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, just working up to it. I don't, I used to say like 10 minutes is fine, but you really need to have enough time where your brain, no matter what level of attention span you have, you can yeah. focus on that. But then my other trick, and this is something I did as a kid, uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of been helping me, especially with Bridgerton coming out mm -hmm. is finding the media tie-in. So if it's a book that is either adapt, like the film or show has been adapted from that book, or even if it's a book that has a novelization is a novelization of something, mm -hmm. it's a great way to get back into it. It's something that's really helped me because I can already form the characters. I, that always helps me. And I think it's actually a tip I'm going to use to get back into, because I could probably read the Bridgerton books since everybody else has been reading those. Uh, I'm, I am so, it's like, I'm making my way through them. I'm only on I just started reading book four, Romancing Mr. Bridger's Head. That's Colin and Penelope, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> and yeah, and it's been really fun. I mean, it, and it is interesting because there have been some slight changes and obviously they have changed the appearances and racial identities of the of the characters. So it, it is kind of fun though to read the books with a new perspective, I think. Yeah. And then also just seeing like the difference. It's, it's wild to think that those books came out. So it feels like so long ago. I have very specific recommendations per usual, but my first one, and I know I've, I've mentioned this before, but what really helped me get out of my reading slump was reading Harlequin Desire romance novels. So this is specifically to the romance readers out here. Even if you think you don't want to read a Harlequin category romance, this is the place to do it. They're, they're quick, they're shorter, they follow very specific beats, they are full of romance romance tropes and you know I you know a lot of people have kind of some some hang-ups right now with reading about like very wealthy people um, <laughs> they, so they are I will put that caveat out there they are generally about one percenters like these are incredibly wealthy impossibly beautiful people <laughs> figuring out how to fall in love and oh darn I know right and and but it really worked for me so I have a few, there are a few really great authors who are just churning out these Harlequin romance novels, you know, almost monthly, it feels like, but probably my absolute favorite right now is Naima Simone. She just, she writes really just beautifully written, but also just fun books that do deal with serious topics, but there's always like, she mixes in humor. They're very sexy. And one of her series that I really like, it's called The Blackout Billionaires. And so like mm -hmm. the through line of the series, there's this like, I think a, like a really fancy like gala that happens at a North Shore in, in Chicago. There's this part up up way up north by on the lake called the North Shore. And it's like where capital R rich people live. There's like this gala. And so all of these billionaires are just hanging out and then the power goes out and each couple meets at this blackout love it. party. And it's so much fun. I also really love Reese Ryan. She has a really great Bourbon Brothers series. It's about a family and there is a sister, but the series is called the Bourbon Brothers. They're like the siblings are all like part of this bourbon distillery dynasty basically. And they're all trying to become CEO of the company and I and love it, it. Again, yeah, super fun. And then I also really love Karen Booth and also Jules Bennett and really any of the books that are out by the authors I just recommended. Like I think I've read most of their more recent releases and they're so much fun. My second recommendation, and this is something that I recommend to a lot of people because so many people think reading graphic novels isn't reading. And right. Yeah. I totally disagree, like vehemently Agreed. disagree <laughs> because they're so great. I think it, it 
uses different parts of your brain when you're reading and also taking in images, which are also just as important to the story. My two favorite, like top favorites that I think I recommend, I, what I tell people to read when they want to read graphic novels. And the first is the Saga series by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. It's this like epic science fiction and it is a love story. There is a love story that is kind of like the basis of it. And there's cool. like base wars and people on the run and spaceships and robots <laughs> and it's amazing. And then my other favorite is Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Noelle Stevenson writes and illustrates a ton of different graphic novels and comics, but she is probably most well known for the Lumberjane series, which is a middle yeah. grade series. But Nimona is like, I think it started out as like a web, a web comic and then it became a book. And Nimona is a, is an evil sidekick and it's kind of, and so you learn about her and she's a shapeshifter. She can like shift into any different shape and her, she is the evil sidekick to like a villainous knight, but is he really villainous? You know, there's, there's a lot going on. It's very nuanced. I really love it. And then my final tip, and this can be, I think across the board, anyone, whether you like romance or whatever, but it's to reread. And yep. I know a lot of people, you know, just for whatever reason, don't, they don't reread books, but I think to get out of a reading slump, going back to something you already know that you love is so important. So I thought instead of like saying reading, like read Harry, at the Spy and Little Women for the nine millionth time. <laughs> I thought I'd recommend some newer books that I've been rereading. And so one of them, I mean, would it be a fresh fiction podcast without me mentioning Alyssa Cole? I mean, you <laughs> are her number one stan. I know, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, the Reluctant Royal series is one of my favorites to reread by her. They're contemporary romances, but they're dealing with people who either don't know that they're related to royalty or actually royalty mm -hmm. or already are royal, but they don't really like their type and figuring out what like being a modern royal means, which is a little more timely <laughs> with all the things going on with exactly. the royals right now. Um, but also the Brown Sisters by Talia Hibbert. Those are really fun. They're they're set in the UK and Talia Hibbert is just an author who I'm so excited to see what, what more she does. Uh -huh. I want to recommend a book by an author who I'm really good friends with, Melanie Johnson, but her Sometimes in Love series are just like pure escapist fun. And then some specific books that I've been rereading, The Widow Rose House by Diana Biller, The Winter Sea by Susanna Kearsley. Full disclosure, I like used to promote her books at Sourcebooks. I would say a modern day classic, but Wicked by Gregory Maguire, which so of good. course is The Wizard of Oz retold from the Wicked Witch of the West perspective. Those, so those are the books that I've like been turning to during this time. That's I a lot of books. I love it. That is a lot of books. It's so interesting too that that you um, have been rereading The Widow of Rose House. That book has like had a very long life these last couple of years. Yeah, because it came out. It came out in October of 2019. Yeah. And then I feel like la like last fall it kind of had a like a blip. And I think it was just like it was a paranormal romance that isn't too paranormally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, there is this ghost element to it. And so I think it worked. It was spooky and it's been called a gothic romance. I don't know if it necessarily is like a straight up gothic romance, but it definitely has gothic elements that I think just really worked well. I love the idea of it. it's like, it's gothic because it has a ghost. Yeah, exactly. And there's some like weepy tree in there somewhere. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's lots of like crashing thunder and all that good stuff. All, all the things. <laughs> Those are great yeah. tips, Danielle. That's really helpful because yeah. I definitely think graphic novels is something that people tend to forget about. Same with audiobook. With yeah, when. that's what I was going to suggest for you because you were talking about find like maybe moving to a different spot or trying something different, like or having like a physical book versus an ebook. Right. Maybe an audiobook. Maybe. 
could be the way to go. I think so. That's usually what I recommend to other people. So I should take my own advice. <laughs> Hopefully everyone gets some good tips from all of this. Yes. And share your tips with us. Maybe you have ones that have helped you get through your reading slump. So we'd love to hear about that. We are joined today by contemporary romance author, Rosie Dannon. Rosie Dannon writes steamy, big hearted books about the trials and triumphs of modern love. When not writing, she enjoys jogging slowly to fast music. Totally relate petting other people's dogs and competing against herself in rounds of chopped using the miscellaneous ingredients occupying her fridge. Also super relate. As an American expat living in London, Rosie regularly finds herself borrowing slang that doesn't belong to her. Rosie, welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here chatting with you on this lovely Saturday. I mean, we had to yeah. figure out what day of the week was. <laughs> it was like, and Saturday. <laughs> yeah. what, what is time anymore? And congrats, because we are recording this a little early, but congrats, your book, when this goes up, will be in store. So yeah, congrats on the intimacy experience. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, thank you. I absolutely adored this book so much. Um, and you know, because we've chatted about, we chatted about the roommate on the Boozy Book Broads way back last year. And you know that I loved that book too. So this one I enjoyed just as much as that one. I wanted to just get a little bit of insight into like what inspired it, how and how this book came together. Yeah, it it was funny. I had a really long time to think about the roommate, like in terms of the concept, like before I wrote it, I probably had that idea for two or three years. Whereas with the intimacy experiment, it was something that came together extremely quickly, like over the course of a weekend, because when we were selling the book, the roommate to Berkeley, they asked if we would submit ideas for additional books in the series. And I had not gotten that far (laughs) at that point. And so my agent was like, okay, we'll think about it. And both my agent and my editor recommended (laughs) that it be a book featuring Naomi. And I was like, I don't know, like, that makes me really nervous. Like, I just don't know if I feel ready to tackle her book because I, this is maybe going to sound silly to people who are like, well, you made up this character, but I just have always felt like pretty intimidated by her. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So I was like, how about we do a book two as a buffer? And then we could do (laughs) Naomi when I feel like I know what I'm doing a little bit more. And they were like, gently like, no. (laughs) So, (laughs) so then I was in this position where I was like, who is the right love interest for Naomi. And it just felt like she could fall in love with like lots of different kinds of people. And I just was sitting, I think I was on a work trip at the time. So I'm like sitting in my hotel room being like, think like who is the right person? And then I kind of like, got the giggles to myself and was like, I really feel like it should be a hot rabbi, like almost telling myself a joke. But I was like, that's the only person that would be good enough to deserve her. And so I was like, that idea is either great or terrible, which is how I feel about all of my ideas. Before I took it to my editor or my agent, I spoke to my family and was like, do we feel that the Jews will be good with this or bad? (laughs) Um, And it's a funny story. I I have told it a bunch of times. I feel like I'll tell it a bunch more. where my aunt, who was like in the room when I was trying to have this discussion with my family about whether this was going to be okay or not, just started emailing our rabbi just like literally without (laughs) my permission is just like well let's just see what the rabbi says and I was like oh (laughs) my gosh because you know if like someone's not familiar with the romance genre like things can get I was like let me explain it's not what it sounds like kind of Mm -hmm. thing um but he wrote back and it was a pretty brief email and he just said who are we to stand in the way of love 
P.S. It's easier if she's Jewish. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'm writing this book. That's amazing. I love that story so much. One of my favorite aspects in the intimacy experiment was, and one of my favorite romance tropes in general is grumpy sunshine. And even though, you know, it can be a little more nuanced than that, but Naomi is definitely a grumpy heroine and Ethan is a sunshine hero. You know, he's very happy go lucky. And so I was wondering if you have any favorite romance tropes that you like to write and then do those differ from the ones that you like to read? Yeah. Um, I think opposites attract is something that I you'll see probably in my work forever. Like I was joking the other day that it's like, I figure out like, what's the most inconvenient person imaginable to have a crush on. And then that's my starting point for a lot of these books. But I love to read enemies to lovers. Although I'm like very picky about it being true enemies. Like if they're just like rivals or it's like annoyance to lovers or something, mm-hmm. I will be upset with you if you recommended it to me as enemies to lovers. <laughs> I, Cause I, I do like sort of like the warring kingdoms mm-hmm. uh, kind of enemies to lovers. Good to have boundaries. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah. Is there a trope that you want to write but you haven't yet? I So the I'm working on a third book right now and it's extremely different from either of the first two books. And a trope that I'm trying to have like outlined, I'm trying to work into the draft is I think like a pretty, like a lesser known trope, but it feels like a trope to me, which is like emotional comfort hair braiding. I don't know if anyone has like heard of this trope, but I feel like there's been some like poignant moments in, Mm -hmm. in media where somebody's just like helping their love interest through like the little gentle hair braiding and it's very soft and intimate so I'm trying to make that work for this one I really like that yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like like a step above self-care it's so sweet I love it you mentioned earlier that Naomi intimidated you having to jump right into her story right off the bat can you talk a little bit about like developing Naomi and then also how she ended up with the hot rabbi it's interesting when you go from writing a character that's not a POV character to then going into their POV for their own book. Because I feel like in The Roommate, it's almost like you get one third facets of everything that Naomi is about. And in some ways you get sort of the most surface level, right? Which makes sense. So in order to kind of go deeper with her and get into her head it definitely involved a lot of unpacking some of my own vulnerabilities like this is a book about the search for identity and sort of like more like whether our identities can overlap which is something that was just really relevant for me going into the next phase of adulthood um, and things like that and was top of mind. And I think with the religion aspect and bringing in a rabbi, like I said, it was just about like, this is somebody that I have a lot of respect for as like a, a leader and somebody who I would think of as being really compassionate and understanding and like not afraid of a challenge. Like all of those facets were important to me as like a balance to what the journey I knew I wanted to take Naomi on. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it's funny, I never would have thought that I would be somebody that has a book that has anything to do with like religious identity or anything like that. But I guess I, again, I was at a stage in my life where I was kind of asking like, where does my heritage and the traditions 
of my family play into my identity as an adult that maybe is going to have a family of my own like just felt like I was at an intersection where it made sense to explore some of those things you are leading right into my next question perfectly because I did want to talk a little bit about religion and specifically religious leaders in romance and in pop culture you know recently we had the hot priest on Fleabag Sierra Simone has her entire kind of taboo priest series but also like every so often the handsome vicar pops up in a regency romance novel you know and so now we have ethan hot rabbi i love how you know it with the roommate i think when it kind of came out everyone was like oh it's the porn star book and now the intimacy intimacy experiment is the hot rabbi book and you know you've talked about this about how his kind of kind of you you found like kind of almost the exact opposite character for Naomi or opposite attract situation for her. So what do you hope that readers kind of take away from him as a character and his own journey in the book? A couple of things come to mind just hearing you kind of set that question up. So mm. one thing I think is important is the rabbi to priest parallel that I think some mm. readers are drawing, which is totally natural yeah. to me is not, it's kind of like apples and oranges just because of the way, like for, for a lot of different reasons, but like, obviously if you're a priest, it's forbidden for you to have this type of intimate relationship. Whereas rabbis, it's very much a part of who they are to mm you know, find partners to build families to like sex is treated really differently in those two religions. So I think, but I understand totally that like not everyone is super familiar with like what it means to be a rabbi. And so I think hopefully this book, if they give it an opportunity to, can like help them have a better sense of what that role means in the Jewish community. And I think both with the rabbi book and the porn star book, if you will, (laughs) what has been interesting for me and, and important for me is that it's sort of unpacking the idea that were defined by labels like that. I think in a lot of ways, like Josh subverted certain people's ideas of what a porn star would look like in a romance novel. And I think Ethan can do the same thing. And ultimately at the end of the day, it's sort of the realization that occupation is a part of our lives, but it doesn't define us just the way being like a dentist or a lawyer or whatever might inform who you are, but doesn't necessarily give everyone a sense of exactly how you're going to behave or what you believe. It's always good to have that reminder because so many people find their identity locked up so much with what they do and how they can provide or produce for other people. Yeah. 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 Well, and similarly with regarding religion and romance, it's almost always some variation of Christianity, but Nathan and, um, or sorry, Naomi and Ethan, I made, I made their little, like, uh, their middle name, uh, (laughs) Naomi and Ethan are both Jewish. Was this something that you set out to do from the start? I know you mentioned that, like you had to kind of consult with your family and figure out how to approach it appropriately for y'all. Did it, Can you talk about the development of that? And then also if you have any recommendations of other Jewish authors with Jewish characters that we should be looking out for. Yeah, this has been part of my process. I think a lot of people think that contemporary romance, like, oh, you're not doing that much research as opposed to like somebody who's writing historicals or something like that. But with both of my books, you know, I knew I was delving into areas of expertise that I didn't personally have as part of my identity. But again, I I knew that when I took on this project, like if I'm going to write a POV character that's a rabbi, 
I better get real. (laughs) There's a lot of really great resources and like both physical books, as well as like online resources that are open access that I leverage. I happen to have, again, like family members that have masters in Jewish studies or like organize their- Perfect. Yeah. Like another family member is, runs a huge Jewish community organization in DC. So it's like, I had a lot of people I could go to and say like, okay, like what books can I be using to get? smart in this area and things like that. Because again, like I have my own experiences, but the Jewish identity experience is so broad. So Mm -hmm. it was more just about understanding like what type of teachings Ethan would have been exposed to and things like that. Although again, like I hope that these facets of his personality are incorporated in an organic way. Like it was more like I had to have that foundation in order to inform the way he thinks about just everyday things in the world. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of other Jewish authors, there are a bunch of amazing Jewish authors out there. Felicia Grossman actually writes historicals with Jewish characters. Nice. Dalliances and Devotion is one of my favorites from her. In the YA space, Laura Silverman has a couple of great books recommended for you is the last one that I read mm-hmm. by her. Rachel and Solomon just had the X talk come out from Berkeley as well, we which has- that a Jewish protagonist. Yeah. So there, I think we're starting to see a lot. I won't say a lot more representation because I think there's a long way to go to represent, you know, different aspects, like I said, of, of people's experiences with the Jewish identity, but it's certainly easier, I would say in the last five years to find some of these titles than it has been like when I was growing up and I didn't know really many at all. Yeah. Right, yeah. You, you talked a bit about the, about Naomi and Ethan kind of figuring out their identities, which I really glommed onto when I was reading this book, because, you know, there is like, there's the persona that you kind of put out to people, like to your friends, even, and your family and to the people you work with, like, you know, they are also separate. And also they're all still you. And, you know, Naomi is, is used, there's kind of a pretty pivotal moment early on, but Naomi is used to being kind of heckled when someone recognizes her from one of the films she's been in, you know, and Ethan has to kind of figure out how he's going to deal with that. And then, but then on the flip side, Ethan has to kind of always be on his best behavior because he is, you know, a leader in his community. And so I, yeah, I completely related to how, like the word that kept coming to mind was grappling. Like they were just grappling with all of this. How do you think that readers will relate to this aspect? And do you think that they could learn something from these characters? I mean, I hope so. I I hope that it is reflective of, because I think a lot of the themes are universal, right? Like very often we find ourselves trying to reconcile different roles, as you were just saying. And, you know, for Naomi, it's like she's really weaponized her identity as a way to keep herself safe from the world, or at least in her mind safe. And so even though she kind of recognizes in the opening of the book that things are shifting around her and her role is shifting, she's gone from performing to now being the CEO of Shameless, which is like, you know, she's now interacting with these like startups that want to work with them and vendors. And she's just like, it's very strange for her to step outside of that bubble. And at the same time, she's trying to figure out whether she wants to 
be a practicing Jew again. Mm -hmm. So she's got a lot going on. And then from Ethan's standpoint, he is a rabbi and he's trying to figure out if that is all that he can be like, because Mm -hmm. he feels like he's made this decision where there are tremendous demands on his time and his energy. And he feels a lot of obligation to the community there. But at the same time, he feels like he has run away from his family or his friends and people who have needed him. I think that that is probably relatable. Like all of us just trying to balance how we define ourselves, how we fulfill relationships to other people. Mm-hmm. And there's not like easy answers to any of that. Like in, and I think in the, in romance novels, a lot of times we see characters make progress and then they backpedal a bit. And that feels very real to me because it's, you know, growth and progress in, in these types of issues is never really linear. Um, something we talk a lot about on the Fresh Fiction podcast is uh, what brings us comfort and joy. What has been bringing you some joy lately? Oh, gosh, I actually feel like it's funny. It's like the one year anniversary of the sort of like lockdown and the pandemic um, being really at the forefront of our lives. And I've noticed that my comfort behaviors have come full circle. <laughs> so at the beginning of the pandemic, I went to like one of my ultimate comforts of watching Survivor. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, it was really like poignant for me at the time, like even the title, like Survivor, like these people are going through it, persevering, <laughs> and also I am on my couch, like yep. my Doritos or whatever. <laughs> and then I watched so many seasons of Survivor, like I don't even want to talk about it, like too many that I burned out on it and didn't watch it for, you know, nine months or however long. And then right. this week I was like, maybe I'll just check in, see what Survivor's doing and <laughs> I'm back in it. I I just find real it's also I think a reflection of what stage I'm at in my writing so when I'm drafting I prefer reality tv because I find that those narratives don't interfere with drafting yes. well, yeah. the same way that um like more scripted programming mm-hmm. does absolutely I completely understand that do you so when you went back to watch Survivor now that you're full circle did you <laughs> pick up from the seasons that you hadn't finished or are you like I'm moving forward with the new season nothing else exists Oh, Gwen, I have seen every season. I have to tell you, there is no uh-huh. new content, unfortunately, for me <laughs> when it comes to Survivor. So it is, it was recycled episodes. Mm-hmm. I guess I realized that Netflix had, if you're in the US, Netflix has two seasons of Survivor now, which is really rare because normally you have to have like the CBS all access pass, yeah. which is the whole thing. And it's like two of the best seasons. Like Netflix knows what they're doing. They're like going to hook <laughs> you. They're going to really uh-huh. in. Kaigon is the season that I was watching. It is so good. If y'all have been sleeping on Survivor, get back into it. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of friends who love Survivor and feel the exact same way. Like it's just such a comforting uh, show for them. I don't, yeah, I know it's like has its flaws, but I love stuff that's about like triumph of the human spirit. Mm -hmm. That always really speaks to me, but also a lot of like manipulation. (laughs) So I don't know how to balance that. (laughs) Do you have any other reality TV like obsessions or recommendations? Oh my gosh, I really do. Yeah, this is a whole can of worms, I feel like. But (laughs) so when I go into the reality TV, I go deep. So I really do like... I'm, it's like a pretty clear trend that I like these kind of physical competition shows. Cause I, this one is so trashy. The challenge on MTV. Did oh, you guys yeah. know that's still on? It's it still is. on. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Brand new episode. <laughs> that one honestly is probably, I don't know, with Survivor the challenge, if I, if I had to pick, it would be really difficult. And I'd, I have to make a lot of lists to get there. Cause the challenge is like, at least the it's different now that they, I think, can't even air the same kinds of stuff that they used to. But yeah. old school, the challenge was like 
sort of like Survivor, except also everyone was drunk and also everyone was making out. And that uh-huh. was just amazing. Because <laughs> I do like a little, obviously, romance if I can get it. And Survivor romance is a small portion of the narrative overall so the challenge and then there's another mtv show that i'm sort of ashamed of um called are you the one i don't know if you haven't seen that one it's also like available online now i would say this one is okay really interesting i'll make a quick little pitch for it so it's they usually it's like 20 people um in a season and it's historically was really like heterosexual centric so it would be like 10 men 10 women and all presumably heterosexual. And the idea is that a team of scientists and experts have like matched it up so that Mm -hmm. each of these 10 people has a match, but they don't know who it is. So they go through the whole season trying to get, they have 10 chances to sync up like who Mm -hmm. all the matches are. And each week they do like a a matching ceremony where they figure out like, okay, you got like two out of three correct, but you don't know like which ones. Mm -hmm. And it's just a mess because it's like people have their natural attractions and then they get told they're not a match and then they go bananas. Mm -hmm. So, but what I will say for that show, the most recent season threw away sort of like the heterosexual bullshit and had all different types of people of sort of like bi and pan identities, which cool. made it way more interesting because then it was like anybody could be anybody's match. I Check love that, that out. Because I've never seen that many queer people like on a show together, which was amazing. Yeah, like a, in a reality TV dating show to have like 20 um, people who identify not as heterosexual was like amazing. That's a great recommendation. I am going to go check it out. <laughs> it's, it's bananas, but I, that season in particular too, I think they formed more of a community too, which yeah. was wonderful. That's so cool. Yeah, it that's almost great. sounds like such elevated reality shows. Mine are like real housewives. <laughs> I've deck. never, you know, Alexa Martin <laughs> is my dear friend and a fellow like reality TV person. Mm-hmm. I would like characterize that as one of her like foremost, uh, <laughs> passion points and she's always trying to get me to watch the housewives and I have never really done it although one time when I lived in New York I was in a restaurant where they were filming with the oh that's cool so that's my like tiny claim to fame there I guess that That is cool you're in the background maybe on one maybe Yeah, I should at least go check out uh, the New York seasons to see where maybe you'd fall in there. Exactly. (laughs) I was in we uh, have I'm in based in Dallas and our reality or our uh, Real Housewives of Dallas did a episode or something at a pop up shop at a clothing store. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I have to go, I have to do, I have to go see this. And so I watched the episode hoping that I would be seen somewhere in the background, never saw. But I was like, (laughs) every time I saw the camera or them fighting, I would be like, that's probably why I didn't make it. That's awesome. And very, very on brand for Gwen. (laughs) Be like, I'm going to try to get on. (laughs) I got to be on TV. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So Rosie, before we wrap things up, what can readers expect from you next? It's such a departure, but I'm really excited about it and also scared. That's like my life as a writer. I don't know if that's every writer's life, but every time I have one of these book ideas, again, I'm like, it could go well, it could go so, so poorly. But this one is what I affectionately kind of call my 90K epilogue to the song Goodbye Earl by the Chicks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so it's like a real throwback to my 90s roots there, but it's about two best friends who run a bed and breakfast and they 
have this opportunity one day to access a huge inheritance. But the complicating factor there is that there's a private investigator that has just checked into their bed and breakfast. And also, oops, they have a body buried in their backyard. (laughs) Of course. Oops. It's more of like if you've watched, oh, the name just went out of my head, The Lovebirds, if you guys watch that, or um, like Game Night uh, was another movie that came out kind of recently where it's kind of like these people who are good people get themselves into a maybe bad situation, and then they have to figure out how to do crimes, but they're very, very bad at crimes. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awesome. Yep. Can't wait for that. It's like Good Girls. It's the same sort of vibe with that show. Yeah. Or the other way I thought about it is like the Stephanie Plum books, if you remember Stephanie Plum books, but with like a lot more sex. (laughs) Perfect. That sounds exactly what we need. (laughs) So Rosie, where can readers find you online and stay in touch with you? So I am on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Dannon. You can also go to my website, rosiedannon.com. And I have a newsletter, but I really, really rarely send newsletters so it feels like I shouldn't have even have mentioned that but maybe one day I'll get back on the on the bandwagon there yeah thank you so much this was so much fun we had a great time chatting with you and everybody look for the intimacy experiment in bookstores now all right Danielle it's time for goal talk such a like a funny segment because I'm like did I do my goal I don't know (laughs) I feel like I always start out doing it (laughs) it's the panic of like oh did I do the goal but then you probably will reveal to us that you did more of your goal than you thought you did maybe no I don't think I did this time okay so my goal last time was to clean my desk and I will say it is now more of an organized chaos I'm like looking around (laughs) (laughs) so it's like I know this pile of post-it notes over here are things that I like need to look into and like that pile of papers down there is actually a manuscript that I need to revise and I'm not but I know where it is when it's ready I'll be there exactly so I think I think in theory I did I don't I didn't like get rid of stuff like that's really what I was thinking was like I I see like really get rid of things and like organize but I did I did organize I just did not purge things like I should have so it's sort the, of it's the goal. incremental steps first step. <laughs> okay thank you Gwen you're welcome it's How okay did your goal go <laughs> um I stretched maybe one time since okay. the last time we, that wasn't like just oh I've been sitting on my couch for too long and I need to like bend yeah. over and do a counter stretch <laughs> but I did start writing every or I've been very consistent with my writing every single That's day great. um I downloaded a morning pages app uh mm-hmm. on my cell phone which has been really cool because you can set your goal for it it tells you like are you an amp are you a newbie a, a middle or expert and I just put in like 450 words. That's yeah. where I was like, I'll just start there. It's like 10 minutes of writing. And it's so satisfying because mm-hmm. it counts down your word count for you. Ooh. And then when you hit it, your phone vibrates. Oh, that's nice. And so it's so satisfying because you're like, oh, I have, I just vibrated. I have a few more sentences that I can write. And yeah. it's like, it just makes you, yeah, I've just really been enjoying it. I've done it now for four days in a row and it encourages you to, it sends you like, you've done this for four. So it's basically like my fitness pal, but for yeah. morning pages. And I 
realized that I needed that. And it's been very helpful. Great. Yeah. I like that, that you carried over like an old goal. I think Mm -hmm. that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks. So what is your new goal for this time? So my new goal, I listened to a new podcast last week called Natch Beauty. Um, I think it's on HeadGum or... Mm -hmm one of our Conan, I'm not sure, but it's on one of the bigger networks. Um, and actually Danielle, you would like it. She's kind of got a different sort of voice, but, um, I, you know, giving her a chance, but it's all like natural beauty tips, like serums, all that good conversations Mm -hmm. that we love. So she had, um, an author on discussing her new memoir that talked about how, when she was 25 years old, she like woke up on her 25th birthday and was like, a mess as most people mm-hmm. would be the day after the 25th after a birthday. And yeah. she was like, I'm going to get my life together. And so she recognized that she hadn't been like raised well by her family and she needed to reconcile with that and, and to like be able to put her demons behind her. And one of the things she started doing was working a gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how, like, it was so challenging for her at the beginning because she didn't under she couldn't find anything in her life that she was grateful for and then as she did it it became easier and easier and then she was able she made a spreadsheet which I thought was so cute so she was able after five years of doing that to write this book like basically have the foundations of this book and so from that I was like I want to start a gratitude practice and it's actually a little bit inspired by you because I received right before we started recording our podcast I received this lovely postcard from you and it was one of those things where she's like I have this gratitude journal, I write in it, but then it's now evolved into thank you notes. Yeah. And that is something that eventually I'd love to be better at doing is like writing thank you notes and being telling people I'm grateful for them. So I was like, I'm going to start a gratitude practice. So I've been trying to keep something that I'm grateful for in my journal every single day. That is really, really great. I love that for you. Yeah. So what about you? What's your new goal this week? So my goal, I think, is to be more thoughtful on social media because Ah. I still feel like I spend too much time just scrolling. Not so much. I don't want to say I doom scroll anymore because I really have tried to put make my social media, like particularly Twitter and Instagram into something that I actually want to look at and like not be scared. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I've definitely done that. I've definitely gotten very good at muting words on Twitter to just make sure my timeline is like a safe space. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not foolproof, but, but I do want to be, I think I want to be more thoughtful on Twitter. So like, instead of just like scrolling through Instagram and like liking everything, like maybe stop and take a moment and actually comment on something. Love it. Yes. You know, same with, with on Twitter, like with retweeting, like I do a lot of retweeting that is like part of what you do, mm-hmm. but also maybe I can quote tweet and say, you know, I thought this was super funny. Even if it's just that, like, I thought this was so funny. This made me laugh today. Yes. Hope you laughed too or something. So I think that that is what I'm going to try to do. I don't know. I'm not going to put like metrics in place or anything like that. I think it just, but being more mindful about being on social media. And if I'm going to be on it, then it needs to be like meaningful, I guess. Yeah. I mean, social media, but I think that's a great goal. I think I can't wait to see how that works out for you. Cause I think that is so smart. It's something that I have been trying to be more mindful of, especially like after the elections and everything, it was so easy to get hot about stuff. And I mean, it's still easy to get hot about stuff, but <laughs> now just being more thoughtful and recognizing that, like, not that it's necessarily there forever, but we yeah. need to make it enjoyable for ourselves while we're there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Can social media be comforting? I don't know. But <laughs> what this week, I think this is probably our favorite part. I love this. 
our talk um, is, but what is bringing you comfort this week? So what is bringing me comfort this week is the idea that um, a lot of my fall, sh- or fall, what season are we in? <laughs> a lot of the spring shows are coming back right now, Danielle. So I've got new reality shows. We have new season of Top Chef, which I've decided because I've been obsessed with Chopped recently and all the food yeah. content. I need to be more, uh, really what it is is I watch way too much Bravo and we're entering the lull season where there's no shows on that I watch of their content. Yep. So I've decided to t- do Top Chef. There's Marriage and Mortgage, Marriage mm-hmm. or Mortgage, which is a, another reality series on Netflix where you've it's combining a wedding planning show and mm-hmm. a real estate selling show into one sort of mm-hmm. thing where they're like competing to plan the wedding and sell their and buy their like house afterwards. So mm-hmm. it's it's everything I could ask for. But yeah, just finding comfort. Speaking of our conversation with Rosie, just finding yeah. comfort in reality television because we don't get to interact with a lot of people and that's nice yeah. high drama. <laughs> I think reality TV is so funny to me because none of it is reality. (laughs) None of it's reality. Absolutely zero. (laughs) So yeah, it, yeah, no, but that is, I mean, that's, they both sound very fun. I love Top Chef. I think Top Chef is so fun. What about you? So yeah, my stuff this week. So my husband and I agreed early on that we were going to wait for all of WandaVision to air. Yes. And then we would just watch it all in not one sitting. We did most of like last weekend is what we watched all of WandaVision. And it's great because, you know, there's really nothing too questionable on it. So like our six-year-old can like run around like and be in the room at least, you know, we don't have to wait until she goes to bed. And we absolutely, we adored it. We really, 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 really liked it. It was so enjoyable. It was so much fun to kind of see not just the TV, the obvious TV show Easter eggs, but like the TV, you know, that they were referencing, but also earlier in the pandemic, we had watched all of the Marvel movies. Like that's like oh, one so of the fresh. things we did. So we were just like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, we see that symbol. Like, you know, like we were total nerds about it. Love it. But yeah, that was fun. And then my second thing that's bringing me comfort are My Little Pony graphic novels. What? I know. Are, so, okay. So I have to set this up. Our library reopened fully. Like we didn't, cause for a while you could make an appointment and go and like have time to browse. My daughter and I love the library. We used to, we would go like once a week, but now it's open. You have to wear masks, obviously, but we just went to the library and we like loaded up on just a ton of books. Love it. And she picked out this My Little Pony graphic novel on her own. And she like came upstairs one day and was like, you know, hanging like out the door of my office. Mama, I have a book recommendation for you. Okay. Like I thought it was going to be like, you know, some book that we've read 900 times. And she's like, no mama, I think you'd really like this graphic novel. And I was like, what graphic, you know, I was like, what is happening? Right. (laughs) And it was this My Little Pony graphic novel. And you know what? It was great. I loved it. (laughs) It was so cute. So we're going, we're probably going to go to the library in the next few days because we have to return them. And then Uh, also check out some more and we're going to read the My Little Pony graphic novels. I love that. So did she tell you why she thought you would like it? Well, she, no, not really. She was just like, I think you'll like it. It's a graphic novel. And I know you like the My Little Ponies, which I do. We watch them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I, I read it and it was real cute. It was real adorable. So more that she like gave me my, her first book recommendation to me, which is weird that I know it's the first one. Love it. She becomes a book, a book critic. 
you'll Maybe. be able to be like, I remember the first book she recommended yeah. to me. I'm totally going to like talk about that <laughs> and embarrass her because that is my job as a mom. That's true. Um. It's part of, <laughs> part of the contract. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, that kind of wraps things up. We do want to remind everyone to subscribe, obviously, to the Fresh Fiction Podcast and rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can always find us at Fresh Fiction. I would say for the majority on Twitter, I feel like we're the most active on Twitter. on Twitter. And then I am at DJ underscore dresser, like the furniture, on mostly on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. And I'm at Real Vixen on uh, Twitter, Instagram. And I'm also learning Clubhouse. So maybe eventually we'll do a Clubhouse. I don't know. Still, still figuring it out. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks everyone for listening. We will talk to you soon.